Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Ham and Egg News series, recorded July 14, 2017, titled Flat Earth vs. Young Earth, Selective Skepticism. Welcome to Apologia and another edition of Ham and Egg News. And the one topic I was certain that I'd never ever cover in a video. I am so excited today and also for Thursday to have Dr. Danny Faulkner, our astronomer here at Answers in Genesis, to talk to us about the question that's been on all of our minds. Is the Earth flat? Flat Earth. Flat Earth. This is not what I signed up for. I talk about young Earth creation because I used to be a young Earth creationist and know many people who are currently young Earth creationists. I wasn't a flat earther. I don't know any flat earthers. I've come to know a lot of great Flat Earth debunkers like Red's Rhetoric, Psystrike, Callister, Kara, and so many others, I can't even think of them right off the top of my head, who know the science and the arguments and present them so well. Whenever I'm asked, I just say that Flat Earth isn't my particular fight. Now, you might be thinking, why, are, why do we have to have a answers news on this topic? A woman came up to me afterwards, and she was in tears, and she said to me, um, my husband and my sister-in-law believe that the Earth is flat. Um, how can I help them? Okay, and she said, you know, it's an embarrassment to her and she doesn't really know how to handle that. And I just keep hearing this more and more people believing in this. And so, sadly, we do have to talk about it. Given that AIG was going to attempt to advocate for a spherical Earth, a small point on which we actually agree, I thought I might just skip this one. But Georgia's story here sounded very familiar to me. By simply replacing Earth is flat with Earth is young, I'm embarrassed that my family and friends believe in a young Earth. Sadly, we have to talk about it. So let's take a listen to the epistemology and thought process of Georgia and Danny as they hold one embarrassing view and reject another embarrassing view. Whenever I hear flat earth, I'm going to substitute young earth and see how consistent they are. Where possible, I'll use examples directly from today's guest, Dr. Faulkner. Just to drive the point home. It's really exploded in the last two or three yeah. years, big time. In the last year and a half, I've spent a lot of time looking into this. I've looked at unbelievable hours of videos. There are a lot of them out there, thousands, maybe millions of them. Right. And it gets repetitive after a while. Well, that's what I was wondering. With a lot of these people that are promoting the idea of a flat Earth, like, I mean, that are, you know, having books and things like this, are they serious about it? Like, they really believe the Earth is flat? Or are they just trying to do this to see how many people will actually, how many gullible people are out there? This is absolutely the question that I'm asked most about Young Earth Creation Ministries. People want to know if Ken Ham and Eric Hovind and all these people actually believe what they're saying, or is it all just to make money off selling material? I think many of them are very sincere. I've seen many that are absolutely, I'm convinced, are sincere. Debay, I'm not sure. I'll go back and forth on it. Either he's uh -huh. misled himself or he's intentionally, uh, you know, punking people with this. Right. That's pretty much how I sound when I answer. I go back and forth on whether they really believe. But it's a difficult situation when a paycheck is involved. I think one can really convince themselves that something is true when their livelihood depends on it. Do either of these guys have like degrees in any kind of scientific field by which they could effectively evaluate the answer to this question? No. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's... That answers that uh, question. Okay, yeah. It's interesting that George asked this question today of all days. She does have a PhD in molecular genetics from Ohio State University, and Danny here has his PhD in astronomy from Indiana University. 
so it is a panel of authority today. But normally, she's flanked by Ken Ham, who has a bachelor's degree in applied science and a teacher certificate. I'm deliberately ignoring his five and counting honorary PhDs. And Bodie Hodge, who has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Is Georgia saying that I should take what her bosses say less seriously? Or should I take what Georgia says outside the field of genetics less seriously? But more relevantly on the flip side, every single day, Georgia out of hand dismisses papers by scientists far more qualified than she. So which is it? Should we care about education qualifications or should we not? A lot of these people that believe in flat earth only want to watch videos. <laughs> like they won't read the articles published against these ideas. I would have to agree. But for the young earth crowd, I might rephrase to say that a lot of these people only want to listen to sermons and they won't read books or peer-reviewed papers. As a former member of the young earth crowd, authority is everything. And looking things up for yourself is presented as sinful doubt or a waste of time. Learning is hard. It's so much easier to just sit in a pew and accept what you're told. Well, they just see this wonderfully produced video on YouTube, which is a great source of authoritative information on any scientific yep. topic, as we all know. Um, and, and they just, they believe it. Well, it's produced well, and, and these people seem to know what they're talking about, so it must be true. And So, Molecules the Man Evolution doesn't really make scientific sense. Yet we are all here, and life is all around us in various forms. Although evolution cannot account for this, the Bible can. What was that? I'm sorry, I was just sucked in there by the wonderfully produced YouTube video that Answers in Genesis puts out. Wait, should I not be taking them as authoritative then? I know this is going to sound strange coming from a cartoon face on an obviously produced YouTube video, but I have to agree with Georgia's sentiments here. Appearing on this website has no inherent implied endorsement of truth. Equally, that doesn't say that there aren't true things on YouTube. I think even more, it tells us how discerning we need to be and teaching our children to be discerning and to really look carefully at these things. Exactly. Checking out the sources for claims, for example. To not just take someone's word for it, who isn't even an authority figure. Nope. If you want to teach your kids to be discerning, then don't train them to accept anything that's said by an authority figure. Bill Nye is an authority figure, Georgia. I don't think you want your kids taking him at his word. Um, talk about it, but really to research it and to look into it. Yep. Yes, absolutely. She got it. Be skeptical no matter who says something. Research every topic and look into it. That last part is the right answer. So their model is what they, some, people, some people call a snow globe earth. You've got a flat round earth like this, and then you've got like a, 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 a dome around it, mm -hmm. a vault around it, and everything that happens is inside of all of this, like a snow globe. And if that's the case, then everything NASA's done for the past 60 years, they haven't done. Everything's fake and, and fool. Of course, now you've got tens of thousands of people involved with this vast conspiracy, the point of which is not very clear. But now, I'm sorry to say, freedom of inquiry in science is being suppressed. You're a creationist. Uh, you can't be a scientist. If, 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 if your papers weren't uh, peer-reviewed by, you know, one of our evolutionist scientists, then it's not even worthy of reading. Well, wait a minute. What if you try and try and roll up your sleeves and go to work and work your butt off, and they say, well, we're going to fire you if you even mention the word intelligent design? Mm, I don't class. think that's happening. Where does that happen? To us, you know, they say, well, you don't, you don't publish your stuff in peer-reviewed journals. So what they mean by that is, you know, let us evolutionists tear it apart and we'll, we won't let you publish any of it. That's what they really want. It's a kangaroo court. Of course, you have tens of thousands of scientists in a conspiracy to keep evidence of a young earth out of the technical journals, the point of which is not very clear. And this swerves into what I've been calling recent years Christian Gnosticism. Mm, One of the yeah. elements of Gnosticism was a secret belief, secret knowledge, that if you became attuned to those, it leads to a higher spiritual play. Well, it's kind of like a lot of what we deal with um, many times with the BioLogos organization that promotes theistic evolution. They kind of have that, well, you have to listen to me because I, I, can, I can actually read the Bible in its original language, and therefore I know more about these things than you do. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like the Bible isn't plain and, and straightforward in what it says. But isn't this Answers in Genesis narrow interpretation of what plain and straightforward means simply another form of dogmatism? 
another form of Gnosticism? You seem to be putting your modern English translations ahead of the original Greek and Hebrew texts. But this is not an interpretation of scripture. It's right. what it said. That's not a proper interpretation of scripture at all. So You certainly present the answers in Genesis interpretation of literal 24-hour days and a worldwide flood to be solely correct with all other viewpoints being a rejection of the authority of the Bible. I, I've studied this thing quite in depth, and it's really specious. It really is. Mm -hmm. the, the thing is it pulls people in because they deal with topics many people don't know a lot about. And so they're easily swayed if they don't have enough information. Young Earth pulls people in because it deals with topics like geology, paleontology, astronomy, cosmology, phylogeny, developmental biology, archaeology, dendrochronology, and so many other fields that are foreign to, technically beyond, uninteresting to, and ultimately untrusted by those who are easily swayed because they don't have enough information, including former me. And so um, at some point, if you want to get out of this, you have to admit to yourself that you've been duped, you've been fooled. And that's damaging that's to the pride. Hard. It really is that's hard. hard so, to admit you're wrong. So, so, so pride gets you there, and pride keeps you entrapped there. And, and that's really sad. That is very much my story. It took a long time for me to admit to myself that what I believed was wrong. You hear me admit that I used to believe in a young earth, but every time I do, I feel shame about it. I'm embarrassed, and it is not a comfortable place for people to go. Intellectual honesty is ultimately not that great a reward compared to acceptance by your peer group and a promise of heaven. And I divide the arguments up to six basic okay. fallacies are made. One is uh, false uh, false information. There are some things out there I've encountered which I blatantly know not to be true. Uh, for instance, the uh, one, one general last year was arguing that the North Star is visible well south of the Earth's equator. It's not visible from most of the southern hemisphere, barely below the equator, but no deeper than that. That's just simply false information. If right. you read that out there, you, it's wrong. I've been through a lot of Dr. Faulkner's material, and I will say this for him. He knows how to hedge his statements to avoid blatantly stating a falsehood. I commend him for this talent in avoiding being nailed down. While I point out factual claim errors of answers in Genesis in almost every episode, I was wanting to stick with Danny today. So let's visit his appearance in the Is Genesis History movie you can see on Netflix. Though I wouldn't recommend it. What most people see is the big theory concerning cosmology and the universe, and that's the Big Bang. Uh, how do you see that? Is it holding up over time? I don't think so. I think it's, it's getting some problems. Mm. Uh, so much so that uh, more than a dozen years ago, I think in the New Scientist magazine, there was an open letter protesting the Big Bang theory, and it's had hundreds of signatories since. I'm sure you'll jump to the observation that when asked to present the best evidence against the Big Bang, that Danny simply pointed to a petition that originated in 1991 and accumulated a grand total of 33 signatures over 13 years before it appeared in an open letter. Even a petition of a million names isn't evidence for a truth claim, just opposition veracity. Is this any more significant than a thumbs down on a YouTube video? But back to false information. I did a thorough search for the signatories of this statement, and this is the most up-to-date and comprehensive list available. There were 33 signatures at the time of publication, and 146 signatures now. That makes 113 new names. Danny said there were hundreds of new names, which implies multiple hundreds. At least 200. So that's incorrect information. Not exactly a smoking gun, but incorrect nonetheless. See last week's show for George's claims about Canadians going to jail for using the wrong gender pronoun, or Ken's claim that Australian pastors went to jail for using Bible verses, if you want some recent and obvious and serious fake news. Okay, another one is uh, incomplete information. They will, they will give you some information that's correct, but they don't tell you everything that's involved with it. And, and once you get more information, you find, well, that kind of modifies with the first part. Let's go back to Danny's appearance in his Genesis history. If we look at the um, outer planets of the solar system, the gas giants, they all have rings. And uh, we also know that these things are changing. They're wiping out. They've actually documented changes that have taken place within mm -hmm. the ring system. You have all these gravitational tugs from the other satellites orbiting around. So oh. these uh, ring systems are fairly young. Doesn't prove the solar system is young, but it proves that these ring systems are young. This whole movie was to demonstrate that truth of a young Earth about 6,000 years old 
And Danny just said that science knows that Saturn's rings are young. That obviously fits, right? Well, what if we complete that information? What do you suppose science means when they say young? Is it the same as what Danny means? Well, it turns out that the scientific consensus is that Saturn's rings are around 100 million years old. And that's young compared to the 4.5 billion year age of the solar system. But orders of magnitude older than Danny's meager 6,000 years. Why do you suppose he left that information incomplete? And a third problem is sometimes they give you reasonably correct information that's uh, yet improperly interpreted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a video about a week, about a month ago, I guess. This, this poor fellow had, had uh, was videoing uh, boats uh, off some distance, and the holes were disappeared. You know, couldn't see them because they're past the curvature of the Earth. And yet he was arguing uh, that this was uh, quite in step with a flat Earth, and he was arguing somehow waterways you couldn't see were blocking your view. It was crazy stuff, but he, was, he had the correct information right there, but he was improperly interpreting them. Mm-hmm. Eric Hoven recently wrapped production on his yet-to-be-titled Genesis 3D movie that he's hoping to bring to theaters soon. A few months ago, he took to Facebook Live and previewed a short clip that featured this very same Danny Faulkner. At the time, I made a video called Pre-Bunking Eric Hoven's Genesis 3D Movie. We understand the sun is powered by nuclear fusion. That could power the sun for billions of years. As it produces energy like that, it changes its composition inside, and over time, it should slowly brighten. And as it does, uh, the Earth would get warmer. Now, again, over thousands of years, not a problem. But if you go back a couple of billion years, three billion years or so, when life first supposedly developed on the planet, uh, you have a problem because the Earth would have been far colder, it would have been frozen, and nobody thinks that happened. on the link in the description for the full explanation of where Danny has misinterpreted this claim, but perhaps you've been around creationists long enough to guess that Danny has done a linear extrapolation for the temperature change when we know that it is not a linear function. Misinterpretation. And a fourth, the fourth way is assertions. People simply assert things. I've encountered this mm-hmm. among the people who um, deny we've gone to the moon. I the flat earthers just blithely go on. They just assert that all those astronauts are Freemasons. And that's part of the conspiracy. But they see they haven't right. proven that any of them are Freemasons. They just simply asserted that, quote, unquote, all of them are. So therefore, that proves it in the minds of many uh, people sucked in by this. That's, that's successful argumentation. But it's merely an assertion. Ah, uh, assertions. Claims made without evidence. The tactic of choice for the crowd that simply presupposes that the Bible is 100% accurate. Let's go to one of Danny's most famous claims without evidence. His solution for the distant light problem. If the universe is only 6,000 years old, how can we see light from stars billions of light years away? It's a turn of the day four account. Not much information is given there, but I think God also rapidly made the stars and other astronomical bodies. And then in order for them to fulfill their function to be seen, Mm -hmm. he had to rapidly bring forth that light just as he brought plants and matured them quickly. I think God brought forth the light. That's it. That's the entire argument. He thinks so. No addressing the effect on E equals mc squared if God temporarily increased C by a factor of 2 million, which is what this assertion would require. Danny just says, it's what happened, and moves on. And then fifthly, I find unusual phenomenon passed off as being normal. They'll find some unusual effect that takes place, and then this is passed off. A lunar eclipse takes place, and they say that the sun and the moon have been in the sky at the same time. Well, yeah, it is possible, but you have to catch the sun really low as it, as it rises or sets, right. and the moon really low, low as it rises. Right, yeah. Only for a minute or two can you, can you do that. Right. But that's hardly a common occurrence. Right. Now, is this the kind of practice that Danny Faulkner would engage in? What would a panel of fellow creationists say? Previous to this program, we held a two-hour debate right here in the studio with Dr. Hugh Ross and Dr. Danny Faulkner. Their two presentations were sent to 13 astronomers, two criteria for these guys and picking them out, all with PhDs, all who are Christians, who are asked to give a written opinion of the accuracy of each presentation in light of their understanding of current day astronomy. Faulkner uh, does not produce evidence for a universe thousands of years old, uh, but rather makes claims for isolated inconsistencies in the case for the great age. The full debate was over five hours long, so I'll link to it in the description as there's way too much to summarize here. But let's see the panel's conclusion again. Faulkner 
makes claims for isolated inconsistencies. To me, that sounds the same as unusual phenomenon passed off as being normal. Finally, uh, this is a biggie, his most recent article I've put on our website, uh, a total mishandling of scripture. And that was a really interesting one. As oh. I read through that, I was like, man, I can't believe how they're taking some of these verses just totally out of context. And, and, and twisting them around, and, and then they try to blithely uh, say that this is what the Bible clearly and teaches. Even though I was a student of the Bible for decades, I try to stay out of biblical interpretation arguments now. With so many denominations and seemingly infinite ways that the scripture could be interpreted, who would be so bold as to declare to know exactly what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches sin is the cause of these things. Well, the, the history of this is interesting. Um, it really goes back to the 19th century. It doesn't go any back. It doesn't go back to Christopher Columbus. No, I mean, doesn't. I thought for sure he thought he was going to... And the, uh, the early theory, uh, early study goes back to Pythagoras in the 6th century mm -hmm. B.C. Uh, he realized what caused lunar eclipses. It's a shadow of the earth falling uh, on, the, uh, on the moon. And Pythagoras, 6th century BC, over 2,500 years ago, noted that the shape of the Earth's umbra was always a circle, and the only shape that always cast a circular shadow, regardless of orientation, is mm -hmm. a sphere. It's a sphere, yeah. Our faux history we have of, you know, everybody thinking the Earth is flat until the time of Columbus really came from the 19th century, the latter part of the 19th century. There were two uh, very influential writers, Andrew Dixon White and John uh, William Draper. Our faux history that the church leaders always thought the world was just a few thousand years old really came in the 20th century by two very influential writers. George Price in 1923, and Henry Morris in 1961. And they uh, invented what's called the conflict thesis. They're building on the post-enlightenment world. They began to explore flood geology, attempting to revive pre-uniformitarian views in order to combat the perceived threat to scripture of the increasing acceptance of the theory of evolution. One of their arguments was that uh, the church had taught that the earth is flat. During the Reformation, Archbishop James Usher famously added up the dates in the Bible and arrived at a creation event about 6,000 years prior. This was the prevailing view for several centuries. Well documented that uh, the, during the Middle Ages, almost nobody believed in a, in a flat earth. The, mm -hmm. Roman, the, the church at the time, Roman Catholic Church for the most part, during that time, they didn't teach flat earth. Right. They taught Ptolemy, they taught Aristotle, and both Ptolemy and Aristotle believed in a spherical earth. However, by the 1800s, almost nobody in the church believed in a young earth. They taught James Hutton, they taught Charles Lyell, who believed in an ancient earth. Christian scholars like William Buckland and Adam Sedgwick led the church to adopt this deep age in a time before the fear of Darwin's ideas. This whole idea that's showing up in more conservative sources of fairly recent development. Mm -hmm. Morris founded the Creation Research Society in 1963, making young earth dogmatism a fairly recent development. Keep in mind I've merely asserted this completely brief summary of the history of young earth creationism, so don't forget to investigate for yourself. And so when people try to claim, the fathers try to claim that this is what the Bible teaches, that's just completely wrong-headed right. to do that. Yeah. While these are not my claims to make, the vast majority of Christians in the world accept an old earth. And those who try to claim that the Bible teaches a young earth are completely wrong-headed. We want people to be able to share this because if the, if the flat earthers are watching videos, well, here's another one for them to watch because we wanted to get that information out there. I'd love for you to share this because if young earthers are watching videos, well, here's another one for them to watch because I'd like to get this information out there. So please give it a thumbs up, subscribe to the Apologia channel if you haven't already, and maybe even share one of my videos with your well-meaning but mistaken young earth friends or family. From my spot on the spherical earth, thanks for watching. Later.